Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Channel Insight In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica Studios as we get ready for Wimbledon now four days away. Joined now by a friend of the program. He's been on a few times, former top 15 player, uh, Wimbledon quarterfinalist back in the day, Jan Michael Gamble. Welcome back to Tennis Channel Inside In. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's been a couple decades now, but that run still got to be kind of <laughs> seared in your brain, right? Yeah, it's seared in my brain. We, we yeah. watched it uh, <laughs> yesterday during TC Live. Yeah. We were talking about Sampras and, and Pete being the last American to, to win Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was along his path, unfortunately, um, the loser in that exchange there in the quarterfinal. But uh, yeah, it was uh, that ran meant a lot to me. I love playing at Wimbledon and uh, playing on center court was very special. Yeah, I mean, Hewitt, Anquist in there, a couple top 10 wins, and then taking a set off Sampras. I mean, that, I, I just, I don't want to draw on it too much, but you hear <laughs> people talk about what it was like to share the court with Pete and Paul Anacone, who coached him for so many years, that he's just so singularly focused. Did you feel out there that, like, this is kind of a different breed of a competitor when you're on the court with a champion like that? Well, my mindset wasn't really like that at all. I was I was out there to, to beat those guys. Mm-hmm. Beating the top guys was not something that that was you know I, I was doing that. I had wins mm-hmm. against pretty much everybody um, on the tour, and I, I was out there to beat Pete that day. And he just was better on the day. His second serve was 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 better than mine. He he played the big points better than I did. Um, he changed his game up a little bit at the latter end of the sets He's, and started, started floating the ball deep, staying in the rallies a little bit longer, and it surprised me. And so he, he used his experience certainly on the grass. Uh, I'd beaten him not, not long before that um, on hard courts, and so I felt like I belonged out there. I felt like he was just the opponent across the net. I a lot of respect and, and you know, with, for Pete Sampras off the court, but on the court it was, yeah. it was let's see what I can do to win this match. And um, just didn't have it that day. You know, he was yeah. <laughs> obviously very good in those courts. Only eight people made the quarterfinals that year. And you're one <laughs> That's of them, true. So there you go. That's true. Uh, as we get to kind of the current storylines and topics, uh, 2022 now, Serena Williams back on the court. That's kind of been capturing the headlines this week. She played doubles with Anz Jabor. Uh, unfortunately, Jabor was the reason that they're, that they pulled out as a team with the knee injury, but Serena back after a year, exactly a year off and really, Kind of an announcement that caught a lot of people a little off guard. There wasn't any lead up. It was just, I think I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Were you surprised that she made her announcement at this point and that she's going to make it a go at Wimbledon without having played tennis the past year? Well, I think Serena has a lot to draw on, first of all. And I watched both of those doubles matches start to finish. So saw all those points. Serena didn't look great when she went out there. And I think you expect her to look perfect on the court in that first set. She couldn't hit a return in the court. And as the match went along, all of a sudden she found the court with the returns. The thing that I liked the most about what, what she was doing on court was how well she was hitting her ground strokes. Serena, for me, when she's hitting her ground strokes well, that's the Serena that just goes out there and, and dominates mm-hmm. people because her serve is going to come along. Her serve was better in the second match than in the first match. The volleys are always, for her, it's a, it's a finishing move. If she's going to have a lot of opportunities to come forward and float yeah. if she hits her ground strokes that well. 
Um, and it, she was finding a lot of depth in those ground stroke rallies, which there's quite a few of them. She remember she was in the first match against Sarah Sribas Torma, one of the most consistent ground strokers out there. So she was tested, and you know they went the distance, and and plus had a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. it was it was fun to watch, fun for all the fans, fun for you know her compatriots, players like like myself that are retired now that that I know Serena quite well, been was on tour with her. Um, it's it's great to see her out there. It's it's exciting. It's it's inspirational to see her play at forty years old to go and play Wimbledon. It's uh, it's it's amazing. So I, I think she has a shot. Well, I, I do think it's funny as well that Anshibor is saying she thought she was like pranked when the announcement came that <laughs> she wants to play doubles with me. Good to see her having fun out there. Good to see that like you know it's not going to all happen at once. It was going to take some time in that first match to really find her rhythm. And she has looked she has looked good, better than I thought even from that first moment up to where she finished off at. There's going to be question marks, right? Because playing a singles match is going to be different. So I Certainly. think I think the biggest thing for me is, and I, I completely agree, the serve will come along. It's the greatest serve that that sport has ever seen for sure. How she moves is what I'm paying attention to. And, yeah, just making sure that that recovery process, that after she plays, because I think she's a dangerous threat to beat anyone in any one match, but it's more the playing seven match, up to seven matches in a row, one day off, one day on, how the body will respond, like any player coming back from an injury, let alone a veteran one like her. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, and, you know, she knows her body more than anybody, so how to, how to recover is going to be something that she's used to doing. She hasn't played a lot of matches. Clearly, she's been practicing. The game looked pretty sharp after a little bit of jitters. And even a Serena Williams in a doubles match like that, playing with Ons Jabour, who is one of the most informed players on the mm -hmm. tour, it, there's going to be some nerves, even yeah. for Serena, you know, going out there. So she got sort of past all that. I think it's interesting, you know, look at her, you know, entering Wimbledon, not playing at all since last year's Wimbledon. So there's, there's really no pressure on her, mm -hmm. finally. Yeah. So uh, it's going to just be all about agreed recovery movement. Movement is going to be key. I don't think she was, she was going a hundred percent on her movement in the doubles, right. which is sensible. Mm -hmm. um, now she's going to no need to go get her footing pretty quickly on the courts though. Yeah. And, and I would also just add that I think you'd probably agree with this, that coming back at this tournament, it's Wimbledon where she's had so much success, but also the grass court. I think it's good for her. Like, it's hard to come back in any one tournament that has such expectations, but she's done so well here, and I think it's the most comfortable place for her to come back. Yeah, comfort is one thing. Movement is the, is mm -hmm. the other. It cost her last year. I like the fact that they, they had um, players out on the center court roughing yeah. up just a little bit. That's going to make it so yeah. it's not as slippery as, as it was last year. We saw a couple players slip in that first day or two um, on the court there, so that'll be interesting. I think she'll be ready. The serve it definitely gives her the biggest advantage on the grass. Mm -hmm. um, she always plays well at the U.S. Open, too. She plays well on all the surfaces, but her, her game, the way that the offensive style, it, it lends itself very nicely to these to the grass courts. Should we have a reasonable expectation for what to expect when she comes in? Is I know anything is really possible when it comes to her, but what do you think reasonably like an expectation would be to put on her if, if possible. Yeah. I don't think you have one. Yeah. I think that, I think that first of all, the fans and, and her fellow players are, are in for a treat to see her back on the courts. I think that there's, there's so much love and, and, you know, admiration for Serena Williams and what she's accomplished already. Mm -hmm. She, for me has done enough. She's did enough years ago. Yeah. I, I would love for, I would love to see her do more. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people would, um, she has fans, uh, you know, all across the world and has inspired so many people to pick up a racket and what she's doing now, walking back out there again is going to do yeah. exactly that, inspire a few more people to pick up a racket. 
we're 24 hours away from the draw ceremony, so we'll see. That's going to be a tense <laughs> yeah. time with some people like her that aren't seated. Uh, another quick thing before you know we transition on, I'm just curious to see who they have with no Ash Barty defending a champ. Who's going to take the court? Who do you think should be the first female to take that center court stage? Well, a lot of people are saying that Simona Halep should have that honor as, as she didn't get it because of COVID. There's mm-hmm. no tournament. All that does make sense to me. I think the other logical choice and the and the only other choice really is is Carolina Pliskova. She was in the finals yeah. last uh, lost to, to Barty, so she has certainly earned that by her nice run last year. So it, it wouldn't make sense. The other, the other option is, is the whole, you know, emotional one and put Serena out there. She certainly yeah. has earned that over the years too. So the, those are the three, if they pick somebody else, I, I I'll be mind boggled as to why. Yeah. yeah. They've definitely got their, uh, their choices. Uh, could be, could be a British player too. It could be, you know? it could be, they could go yeah. that route and that's also fair. It's their tournament. Yeah. They sort of do things the way they want to. You can definitely, seeing. yeah, you can definitely say <laughs> that again. Uh, you mentioned something I do want to really harp on and that's, that they're actually practicing on center court for the mm. first time. Saw Nadal and Berrettini Amazing. out there practicing. You're a fan of it, and I, and I am too, but if you could just kind of expand on, you mentioned that it's going to make it better for the court. It's not going to make it as slick early. You think that's going to be a big factor in these early matches? Well, I think it's it's just safety factor mm-hmm. is, is really all for me that that is. It's just, it's just the, it's really slick and hard to move on a grass court the first couple times anybody plays on it before you wear it in just a little bit. Obviously... The reason they don't let players out there is because these courts get worn down over the two weeks. The yeah, we all see the final and it and it's yeah. destroyed. Yeah. And because the, the Wimbledon has slowed the courts down, now the baselines are getting far more worn in than they used to in the past. So they're getting beat up even more than mm-hmm. they ever were. Um, so, you know, with that being said, they can't allow players out there too long. And I'm sure that I'm sure those there was only out there probably a half hour on that court. I don't know how long the practice yeah. was. You, you usually get a lot at a half an hour per per player. You can add that to an hour. But center court has, as you said, it's <laughs> yeah. been it's been no no land. You know, right. off limits. So pretty good decision though. I think as far as safety wise, how different from we mentioned the 2000 run. How different is the grass now versus then? Because I've heard current and former players say it's almost like a different game. It is like a different game. It's um, it, I, I wonder how I would have done on the grass. I, I loved playing in the grass. It's interesting because the, the grass still allows the big serves to go by mm-hmm. players. If you hit the spots, you're still going to have aces. Yeah. That's not the issue necessarily, but the ground strokes themselves have slowed down. So it's, it's, players that have the bigger wind-up players that play well on the slower surfaces, the clay quarters, the slower hard yeah. court players that play well on those, those courses will have a better opportunity to go deeper in these draws and compete. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I, I don't like it. I, I like the grass to just be faster. I like the tradition yeah. of how it used to play. I like the fact that our, our, our game has all these different surfaces that make it interesting for different players to have advantages. Right. And uh, um, you take that away a little bit, by slowing the grass down. The first time I was back on these courts was, um, had a little bit of a lull. I got hurt myself, went away from the game for a little while, then started coaching Coco Vandeway, went out for, for one of her practices when I was back with Coco and hit a couple balls with her before, <laughs> just, just quickly before her practice partner arrived out there. And I couldn't believe yeah. the difference. The ball yeah. sets up nicely. So on that side of it, I would have loved that because I would have been able to drive the ball through the court. I just remember a quote. I think it was it was Federer who said, "When I came up, I had to learn how to play 
three different styles, essentially with four, maybe with the carpet. Mm. And now you can kind of play the same way on all these surfaces. I think that that's very apt. I yeah. think that the one thing is, you know, you're going to see more slices be effective on the mm -hmm. grass. There's the slice serve is, right. is more effective on the grass. You, you know, the kick serve less effective. Um, so there's some things strategy wise that, that you need to be, have so, some, some awareness for, um, and some strategy, you're still going to build the point. You're still going to want to come forward. Right. Drop shots are still a big part of mm -hmm. hitting, doing well on the grass. Um, but you're right. There, there are play styles that will work. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. More with Jan Michael Gamble here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Well, looking at that men's draw uh, first, it's unfortunate on one hand that we don't have the full field, and it's not just the Russian-Belarusian ban. The entry list actually, unfortunately, has been hit with the pe people that aren't playing. We knew about Zverev, Korda, and Monfils also pull out this week. Mm -hmm. The positive side being you are going to have Rafa. Djokovic is coming back to defend his title. Berrettini's coming looking great. Uh, so I kind of think there's this blend of a land of opportunity for some of these younger players to kind of make a name, make a run. Also, if you're at the top, these the Djokovic's and the Nadal's throwing Berrettini in there the finals last year, it's it's shaping up nicely for these guys to go to a deep run as well. Yeah, I think it is. I think that it's, you know, you've seen these guys win for, for so long. They, they know how to get it done. The big three, obviously, Federer mm -hmm. out. Um, well, Andy Murray will be in there. He's That's another playing one, yeah. pretty well in the yeah. grass. So. Uh, don't count him out for having a, a, a nice run himself. My, my favorite is actually Berrettini for the tournament. So he's my favorite. I like to pick somebody who's not the obvious choice. I mean, often he, I'm wrong. Often I'm wrong. Yeah. It's fine. We all, we all try to go. That's men's tennis, right? Like we go outside the box and we're <laughs> yeah, all just wrong. Right. Exactly. But Berrettini, what he's done, I think, is flying under the radar. He missed all that time. And he just comes back and wins tournaments. Unbelievable. Two in a row. It's very Amazing. rare. Like I it's mean, very, got, yeah. I mean, he's got a perfect game for the grass though, doesn't he? With the big forehand, huge serve. So he, he holds his serve fairly easily. Plus he can return. Got that nice backhand slice. So that's the thing that's really made for this, him. made for it. here. Yeah. His two hander like. is, is, is mediocre. It's mm -hmm. okay. But his slice is fantastic. And it sets up opportunities for him to hit that big forehand on those courts. there. a little bit slower. He's going to have the chance to kind of use that sledgehammer on his opponents. Here, here's another question I have for you, and, and it just made me think of it with Berrettini. Do you miss or do you, are you okay with the fact that they don't use the grass court formula anymore? That, like, traditional formula, I should say, where they would kind of go by, by uh, how your results were on the surface. Oh, and the seating. The seating, yeah, that they're not. Because, well, I, and I love Casparu, we've talked about it, but him being ahead of Berrettini and the seating thing here and, you know, in the past, they had used results to kind of level the playing field. And it's another thing where I've heard current former players say, we wish they would do it that way because the season is so, is so short. Yeah, you, first of all, I, I wish the grass court season was longer. I think mm -hmm. a, a few players do. Um, I feel like the clay court season is plenty long. And there's clay yeah. opportunities almost throughout the year, missing a few tournaments, really. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see two more weeks of grass events. But there's where we play all those grass events, so you need to you know need to commit to that. And 
I don't know. You, this is a little bit off topic of what you asked me the question of, but uh, I think that uh, I saw Rafa sitting down with Gadenzi and saying, what can you do to kind of fix the, fix the tour? And, and Rafa thinks that, the, that there actually should be more play throughout the year and more opportunities for players to take some downtime, take some time off throughout the year, kind of rest the body. We've seen some players do that. You mentioned Berrettini took some time off, but he kind of came back ready to go. Well, he's yeah. finally alert. His body's good. He got the, the work done that he needed, his surgery done that he needed. Yeah. And he looks fantastic. Um, do I miss the seating? Um, you know, it, Wimbledon stuck to it for so long. That's what's kind of the strangest, right? Like that was their way. Like we mentioned doing things their way. And then they just said, we're just going to go straight off the rankings. Now. I'll tell you this. I, I, you know, I, I got my ranking boosted up a couple times from the seatings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that felt pretty good. Yeah. So I know as yeah. a player, it felt pretty good. I think it makes some sense to, 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 you know, have that little bit of a biased seating. It also makes sense to just go by the ranking. Mm -hmm. uh, Root has certainly earned that with his stellar yeah. play, both on clay and hard right. um, nowadays. So there's arguments for both. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm sort of on the fence with it. Yeah. It's, it's also compounded by the fact that there's the randomness of the draw. So you can get a double whammy of a player that's seated a little lower and then gets right. a tough draw as a result. For, for, for me, the big thing is, is the 32 versus the 16. Yeah. I know you've been on record. As, I know. And yeah, I'm going to say yeah, it again. I yeah. wish there was 16 seeds. Yeah. I don't like the 32. Yeah. I, I think it makes it much more interesting. You have way more tough matchups and it doesn't coddle the top seeds quite as much uh, to have yeah. 16 seeds. It's a little tougher. French Open didn't coddle the top seats no, and, and, you know, Nadal <laughs> made that run. Rafa being here, though, I think we're almost kind of like overlooking how much of a decision this was. And I don't, and I can ask you, I'm not sure that he's here if he doesn't win the first two. I think the fact that he's missed this tournament before, but also having won the first two for the first time in his entire career, I think, and you hear Carlos Moya say it, like he's chasing history, like, and he believes he's right in the mix to keep it going and win three straight grand slams. And, and I honestly, you know, Mitch, I think he is. Uh, I, I didn't think he would win the Australian Open. No, me either. I wasn't convinced that he would win the French this year, but the foot and everything that kind of like has been plaguing him. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that Alcaraz might have, have the ability to kind of, to do it didn't didn't coalesce didn't happen rafa does it again wins the 14th <laughs> you know two slams ahead now of both right uh, roger and novak he has a chance to win the grand slam he, he has to play wimbledon you know he did say that he's not going to do injections in the foot if he's going to take normal meds to sort of dull right that, that quote that was pain. that quote was very specific it wasn't yeah. i'm in i'm good it's i'm going to give it my best he's shot gonna give it his best shot he's going to go out there I hope that he can get through his matches and win or lose that it's, it's, it's the tennis that does the talking and mm -hmm. not the injury. Yeah. And I would, I think this is, I would expect him to take time off after Wimbledon, whatever happens. I think there's going to be oh, absolutely. some time off well-deserved obviously, but definitely back in the mix, uh, Novak Djokovic going to defend his title and it would basically be winning the last, if he, I mean, he's won the last three Wimbledons that have been held. So it's like, are we at a point now where he's becoming, you know, on Federer's level, the greatest grass court player ever? There's no ranking points. He's not number one. He can't, his ranking's going to actually fall after this tournament. What do you think it is about what he's done the last couple of years with Novak? Why he's not only the best, but he's been so much better than the field on this surface at this tournament. Well, he just has all the answers. He, he not only start with his serve. His serve is, is not as good as other players. He doesn't have a curious type of serve, but he hits the spots so well. He knows how to play the points and the percentages well on the grass. He gets the ball so deep. He's able to inject pace when he needs to, gives himself some space when he needs to. I mean, the guy is such an excellent mover. 
he puts those balls back in play off the big servers and puts the pressure that makes them feel him off that big serve. He just has all the tools to really yeah. make guys uncomfortable. Technically sound. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anyone that's ever played tennis like that. The serve, though, that that's what's most striking to me because he wasn't like this amazing server at that level when he first came up. That was developed over time, and I agree. He's become a premier server in the game. He has become... I would say I would not say he's an amazing server. Right. I'm not blown away by watching him serve out there. But what right. he does is hit his spots. He yeah. keeps the percentages high and gets the free points alongside of the free points. He gets himself into a good position almost always on his serve, mm -hmm. you know, and has done the work to to really get him a little bit more pop on it, has done the work to have a good kick and a good slice and and be deceptive on where he delivers those serves. So this, this guy yeah. has no weaknesses. And you're still pro best of five, right? Like you're on, are you on that side of the fence? Or oh, I'm pro best five, okay. absolutely. I want to make sure because I don't like the whole change to the to the 12 right. all. Or not, now it's 10 all, right? The yeah, whole, the yeah. 10 all. I think they should have kept the kept advantage. Kept it going? Score. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds that like people reference is or mahout that's like i mean a, it's one Haley's match comment. it's like, like that's yeah never there's gonna... been some matches that go the distance <laughs> but they've always been able to finish the tournament i bring up best of five because that's the other element in this with nadal with Djokovic, like you gotta beat these guys three out of five sets it's just so tough i mean nadal in the french open is probably the hardest thing in all sports but even Djokovic anywhere three sets from these guys it's not going to be lucky if you do it. Like, it's not random. No, it isn't. You, you see, you know, bring up a guy like a Cressy, who's so much fun. I, when I see that Cressy's playing, I, was, I want to turn the TV on, let's see Cressy plays, and he's going to pour into the net, and it's exciting. Guess what? All those trips to the net, they come at a little bit of a cost. It's a lot of sprints forward. It's a lot of movement. And when you get to the fourth and fifth set against guys who've been doing this for quite a long time and know how to win those matches. That was Medvedev in Australia. Exactly. Right? Yeah. They start to get a little bit tired. So mm. can Cressy do that against... One of these guys, I think Cressy can win some matches. Like he could be a little bit of a dark horse, and per mm -hmm. perhaps who yeah. knows? It's it's exciting to see these certain volleyers kind of coalescing and playing um, some good ball on the grass. Uh, but can they do it for five sets? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I, I think they're those are live picks to win a set, but to yeah. win more than that, it's going to be tough. I agree uh, with you on the men's side. I mean, we mentioned Berrettini. Love his game. Who else do you think Cressy is like a longer shot? A Nick Kyrgios type. Who else can make runs? And, you know, again, it's all draw dependent, but who can have success here? I think we're lucky to have quite a few Americans who have some ability to make some runs. I, I would not count John, John Isner out of anything like no. this. You look at the big servers, you got Riley Opelka out there. He could, he could easily have a very good run. Sam Query starting to play a little bit better on the grass. Hasn't had a good year, but he's qualified a couple of times and put some matches together. He knows how to win at Wimbledon. Could see him having a run. You know, you, you have these kind of... You know, outsiders. Uh, let's look at look at Fritz. I mean, I think that Taylor Fritz is, is is hungry to have good matches and 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 a run at Wimbledon. He's had such a fantastic year, a little bit of a lull, and now is playing a little bit better this week. So, can he take that into uh, into the All England club? I think so. I would say those are all good picks. Kyrgios has done better. He's been building up towards grass. I don't know that I, I still, I'll say, I don't trust him to win all these matches in a row, but in any one, two well, I think matches, what, he's... You ask yourself, what is, what's a good run? A good, a good run is round of 16. A good run is the quarterfinals. And from there, you know, you have to reset and see what the matchups might mm -hmm. be like. Yeah. What are the, what's the draw? We're going to have the draw come out tomorrow. So there's a lot of interesting matchups, I'm sure, will coalesce. And, and then yeah. we'll have, we'll have a little, probably a little bit clearer picture of who can make those runs and Who's, who's standing in their way. I think Felix is somebody that needs to get talked about. He made the run last year. Uh, he's 
as consistent as anyone's been the last year on tour outside of the Djokovic and Nadal, like in Medvedev, he's been making deep major runs everywhere he's gone. Uh, and then Sitsipas, who's been kind of uneven, but I saw the stat today. He's got 38 match wins on tour. That's six more than Alcaraz in that number two spot. True. Playing a lot of tennis. And, and look at nobody's talking about Alcaraz right now. Yeah. At all. So that's Do you think that's because it's grass and it's this new. It's grass. Ter- yeah. He's, he's he, you know, I see his social media is talking about making, he's, he's training, he's trying to get better, but he's realistic. So, but that guy competes like no oh, other. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. Shapovalov. Yeah. He, he hasn't played well right yet so far. Um, last couple of weeks haven't been good. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean he can't go in a three out of five such situation yeah. and, and have it kind of all connect at Wimbledon. He's done it before. He has. He has. And as far as Alcaraz go, just a couple thoughts on him. I mean, I, I don't know what was, if he has an elbow thing, he was pretty bandaged up yeah, today. Yeah, he had a lot match. of stuff on his arm. I think his game can translate, maybe not all the way in what we've seen. His court coverage is great, and I know the balls are going to bounce low in the specifics there. Uh, but I, I think the drop shot can be very effective well, you, out there here. A few things about Alcaraz <laughs> that, are, that are, you know, the reason that everybody's talking about him yeah. is not just his, obviously his results, the way he competes, but look how complete his game already is. If anything is missing is maybe his first serve can continue to improve. I think that'll yeah. help him on the grass in the future. He is a very good volleyer already. Mm-hmm. Has the grasp of the, of the drop shots, when to hit them, um, the big forehand, the back. I mean, what, what, what doesn't he, he really have I guess he doesn't really serve in volley that often, but you see him throw that play in from time to time on the clay. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't count him out. No, and, and he's somebody that, like any like any grass court player, Tracy Austin told me this, it's stuck. It's like it, it you have such a small sample size that it can all just come together. It can. In it one can. Tournament. It just it, it did for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I played terrible in the grass first couple of years. Yeah. And I thought, boy, it's just, a, I feel like my game could be good for the surface. Maybe I'm, I'm trying too hard to be mm-hmm. something that I'm not. So I started serving volleying a little bit less, but still throwing it in. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of when you realize a few different things, you can start having those match wins. Right. Well, I mean, if you look at the other side of the draw, Jan Michael, uh, Iga at the top perch, um, prohibitive favorite, has won the most matches, tied with Venus right now for most match wins in a row in the 21st century. Does she, like, she's the prohibitive favorite, she's at the top, and it's viewed as Iga and the rest of the field. Do you think that's a fair way to look at it, given what's happened? Or, because this is Wimbledon, a new surface, she's got a 500 pro record on it, do you think we should kind of take a step back and be prepared for the possibility of a slip here? Well, I think that that it does even it out a little bit for, for some big servers to maybe take it to her a little bit, but they would have to play well throughout the entire match. Iga is one of those players that she the, from the moment she steps foot on the court to the last ball is struck, she's playing her same tennis. And that's why she's won 35 matches in a row. It's absurd. And and she also knows when to take some time off. She has been away from the game for a little bit. She's going to go there. She's obviously on the courts right now practicing, getting ready. Um, and will, when she walks out on the court, be confident. Do people think they can beat her is the question. She's starting to develop that, that aura. Yeah, <laughs> the aura of the champion that kind of is walking mm-hmm. over people. Ash Barty had it before she decided that, you know, she she's going to yeah. hang it up for at least for now. Or, or everybody's hoping maybe Ash Barty <laughs> makes a comeback someday down the yeah. road, but it might not happen. Um, you know, and so Sviantec has certainly cultivated that. There are some players that that have the big serves that could take it to her and perhaps give her some fits on that forehand side if they can drive it through the court. The grass is still going to be sort of not as much in her favor as a hard court or the clay courts. 
Well, mentally, I think you can kind of see, and in some athletes across sports, it's hard to know exactly how an athlete's feeling, what they're thinking, but you can kind of tell she's locked in and it is like, not only, she has that confidence about her, that calmness about her in a way where she believes she's the best, she's just going to handle business and that's all she's done. That's, I think that's a really good word is the calmness. Mm. She, she doesn't rush. No. When you're in those positions, you start to feel like you belong out there. You start to feel that your game is, is where you want it to be, that you're not afraid or even don't even really care who's across the court, except right. for maybe the strategy they might employ against you. You, it starts to all slow down. The ball right. starts to get a little bit bigger for you to see. And, and it just all starts to make sense. It's making sense for her right now. There's been moments. I know it's been a lot of just, <laughs> a lot of just beat downs in the results, but there's been moments of adversity breaks and break. And she just, handles it like it's very impressive to watch so I think the other side of it too is looking at like you said who can challenge like who is going to be the type of person a big server I would agree I just don't know if that server is if it if that person exists that's also in form Pliskova <laughs> made the final last year I think if she's playing her best game it's a tough matchup for anyone on the surface um, aside from that I mean Coco Goff is the second favorite it's a pretty steep drop but someone that's had success on the grass before and you know, if the serving holds up, there's absolutely a reason to believe that she can make another deep run and go past where she made. Oh, I think she can make a deep yeah. run. I think she actually will make a deep run. I think it's a player like a right now. One of my favorites to for Wimbledon is is and she's on the list is Beatrice Dodmaya. Yeah, with that big, a rocket, sort of out of nowhere, nowhere yeah. but her game has lent itself so nicely to the grass. A couple reasons: she moves well, she competes every single point mm -hmm. when she's out there, and she's got a big serve. She's got a big lefty serve that she can hit the different spaces in the in the boxes, gets free points, so she holds, and she returns well. So a player like that is going to be tricky to play against. I, I've, I really feel like Haddad Maya is going to make a nice run. Did you feel like when you played, when you went up against a, like a lefty, that, that when you saw someone in front of you in the next match, that that preparation had to be a lot different and just getting used to a big server when the ball comes off the left versus the right? I, I was lucky for, for me, going up against the lefty was something I looked forward to okay. because my backhand was probably my best shot. It was my best return, certainly. Mm -hmm. So I loved playing lefties. If the lefty's going to hook it out wide in the ad court, I'm going to be standing there ripping it back at them. It was my, at least my thought process. It didn't right. always work that way. But, um, but lefties weren't something that scared me so much. Well, the last thing on the women's that I'll say is I don't want to make this a cop-out, but this is very draw-specific because I want to <laughs> see who's on the other side of Vigo, who can gain some momentum, where Serena is. Uh, Anj Jabor, who's been playing well, the, the knee injury seems like it could be maintenance related. We hope that she'll not miss a beat, but there's some opportunities in here and someone like uh, Bianca Andrescu, who's coming back and maybe is going to have her breakthrough on the grass. We, we are in a really fun time on the women's tour. Kvitova also playing some very mm -hmm. good tennis as well as expected champ, on the grass. Yeah. She knows how to win at Wimbledon. Um, yeah, absolutely. Andrescu is, is another good look at a, at a Grand Slam champion who's starting to play fantastic tennis again. Madison Keys has had a pretty good year. She has a game that's good for the grass. You know, there are, are players that could surprise us. I hope we have the surprises. It's always more fun for yeah. me when the draws kind of have the different personalities that sort of emerge through there. But I think that women's tennis is in such a good spot. We have all these great champions and great players that could come through and, and have a victory. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jim Michael Gamble here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Well, I wanted to wrap this up with the other news outside of the uh, Wimbledon tennis world, and that's the ATP is going to try off-court coaching on a trial basis July 11th, uh, which is basically the end of Wimbledon on. We'll see how far this goes. But I'm very curious your thoughts, especially given the fact that this has pretty much split the tennis community. Like I've been monitoring what players and (laughs) coaches have had to say and commentators, and it's pretty even on each side. You have, you have staunch supporters of this people against it, some a little indifferent. And, you know, I I wanted to just kind of tee it up with the thought, the, the decision to allow this number one, but also the reasoning that I'm seeing that, well, it's happening anyway. We might as well just see if this can work legally. What do you? What are your thoughts on the decision to allow now on the ATP off court coaching? Well, first of all, I'm I'm against it, so okay. I'll just state that. Yeah. But the I'll tell you why, and and I think that that response is a little bit wimpy to say that mm. oh well it's happening anyway. No, go out and figure <laughs> out. Don't let the coaches do that. Come yeah. down on the coaches. Throw the warnings in there. Throw. It used to be a lot harder for it to happen. And, I, and I'll tell you what, my, my dad was my coach for the most part. I had other coaches that I worked with, and uh, those coaches didn't coach me. But my dad, he tried to. And he would sometimes just say stuff. And I, I didn't want the distraction. I wanted to be able to figure it out on my, on my yeah. own out there. I didn't want that that sort of extra stuff coming my way. It's, it's, it's a lot to focus through. Now, some players would probably be different, and they, they probably could use that information. It might be different also if you know that it's it, that it's legal and, and you're not really worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did try this a few years when I was playing. We tried it for three tournaments. I remember one of them, I think it was Atlanta. There was like three tournaments they did in the summer um, where we did a, the, the coach could come on the court much like the women's tour used to be right. pre-COVID. It could come out once per set, sort of the same sort of format that they then adopted for the WTA. I like that better, and I'll tell you why, because I don't want players yelling and talking, even if they're on the same side of the court. It yeah. still starts to be a little bit of a distraction. Players looking over at the coaches, and what if the player doesn't want it now? All of a sudden, the the umpire still is going to have things that he's going to have to do out there on the court, he or she's <laughs> going to have to do on the court. So it's not making it any easier on the umpire, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's, it's just too much of a change. And it's always been one of the beautiful things about our sport is you got to do it by yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're talking about Jan Michael in media, me talking about tennis on TV in a, in a podcast or w- whatever <laughs> else I'm doing, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. It's going to add more personality. It's going to it's going to add funny things for us to talk about because inevitably it's going to be it's going to be a little bit crazy. Yeah, you know, out there and, yeah. and somebody's going to overuse it, abuse it uh, anyway. So. <laughs> You know, I don't mind them, you know, taking a chance. I think they should, I guess they're going to try it. So I, I hope it fails. I hope they go back to, to the other way and, and just, just come down on the coaches a little bit more and say, look, you, you're just going to be able to cheer for your, for your player. Yeah. Um, let them do the talking on the court. I'm glad you put it in perspective of the player mindset versus yeah. the media mindset. As a play, as yeah. a, look, <laughs> even as a coach, I'm not sure. Uh, it's funny, as a, as a player... Because not every player is going to... Yeah, not every player is going to be like, coach me now. Right, and the, there, there's, there's some other you know thought processes. It was, how far back does this go? So, you know, as a player, probably didn't... I, I don't think I would like it. As a, as a coach, I don't know if I would like it. Mm-hmm. did a lot of coaching. I, I coached Coco Vandeweghe for two years, and so I did a lot of visits on the court. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of on the fence of how much I actually helped her coming out there, how much it was like <laughs> yeah. more about strategy or just, you know, somebody to just kind of 
be out there sitting next to you and, and getting some strength from that. That's okay too. Yeah. You know, it, I think it works pretty well in the women's tour and I, and, and it's not that disruptive so far from the matches that I call and I call a lot of matches on the women's tour. We'll see how it works with the men. Yeah. And I just, I agree with the first sentiment too, that it's a wimpy response. Like it is a wimpy say, response. If you're just going to say, we're going to try it and we think it could add value. Okay. Then do that. But it, like it's just bizarre. people are breaking like, the rules. Oh, well, they're doing so. it anyway. Well, no, no, go out there and actually police it and I make sure they don't do it. Then the uniqueness of makes the sport different, having to solve it on your own. It's a, it's a fascinating argument that only tennis players can Absolutely. answer. And there's not going to be uniform agreement on that. Well, and also, my previous point, yeah. which I got lost on a little bit there because there's so much mm -hmm. going on in my head yeah. when, I, when I have this response yeah. is how far down the line does this go? Because does this go all the way down into the futures, into the, to the right. challenger events? Well, coaching is not all equal. Uh -huh. And players that can afford the top That's 100. the second top, part top, I wanted to, Top yeah. 100 players can afford a coach that is, that is a good coach, you know, that can give you the strategy, can give you that, knows what to say in those moments. Maybe, hopefully, yeah. hopefully played at some high level, mm -hmm. you know? They, not, some of them didn't. Some of them are still fantastic coaches if they didn't. You know, you can still learn the game the other ways. Mm -hmm. But you go all the way, you go to the challengers and into the futures, and now, now there's players that are going to have advantages over other players. Is that fair? Well, probably not. It takes away some of the ability from some players who don't right. have that sort of advantage but might have an advantage mentally and, and cultivate that. It's going to take right. a little bit of the way from them players that share coaches that how you about know, that if they play each other if they play at the same time like there's <laughs> what, happens you know, what happens when two of those players yeah. play each other i guess the coach has to remove himself from well, the there, equation. And there goes the work from home thing because yeah. i know there's been player there's been coaches that have been staying home and kind of giving advice at post and pre-match so it, it's it's a fascinating a little thing. megaphone there on the side of the court <laughs> yeah. on but it's like and like you mentioned with the umpire <laughs> the last thing is like where's the line like is the line a coach stands up after an ace and yells keep serving up the tee okay um like the umpire are they, they going to have to physically be like all right enough like the stock the serve clock's going like i think it does open more problems yeah i mean well the serve clock's going to be going yeah so that there's even going to be even more importance added to that clock it's so a guy like Kyrgios plays Sitsipas, right? Right. And I'm I'm just expecting disaster on the coaching front because he's going to be <sighs> Kyrgios' anti-coaching, plays fast. Sitsipas is going to be looking at his dad every five seconds, and there's going to be a disagreement over what pace of play, certain things, and the umpire's yeah, going to have his it, hands It's full. interesting you bring up Sitsipas, and it's it's interesting. Just it reminds, one example. It reminds, yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. It, it, and Apostolos is, you know, he's, he's, he's adamant out there about – He's, he's, he's into it. And it's, you know, I, I feel for, for that combo because it was a lot like my dad and myself you know, who coached mm -hmm. me and he was into it, you know, and, yeah. and the, the father situation or father, mother, whoever, you know, is that involved with the tennis? It's, you know, I feel for them. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of right on the edge and he wants to help, wants to help and he can't help it, but, yeah. but do it. So now he's going to do it. I'm not sure Stefanos wants it. I don't know. You know, I haven't had that conversation with 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 Sissy Pass, but yeah, I feel like some players are going to be like, okay, let's you know, let's get the show on the road. Kyrgios is one of those players that's not afraid to say anything, even in, you know, in any situation. So, yeah, it's going to be more drama though as a commentary. Drama, it's just like let's for, go for for TV purposes. Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, Jay and Michael, this was fun. We're all excited for Wimbledon now. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I do want to leave you with one more like funny, ridiculous story, and that's the world number one in doubles, Joe Salisbury. Article came, he's going for his third Grand Slam with Rajiv Ram, allergic to grass. 
He is? He's allergic to grass. And he's British. So, yeah, and he's British. <laughs> and he said, literally, like, I want to win this thing, but, like, if I literally lay down on grass for, like, longer than, like, a minute, I'll get a skin reaction, so... So don't dive. So don't dive. I mean, that's <laughs> don't, take that don't info. Don't dive, Joe. Allergic to grass, but still could win. Uh, so could win. But <laughs> thanks again for coming on the show. This was fun. We'll have to do it again soon. Absolutely, Mitch. Thank you. Dan Michael Gamble on Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll be back next week, mid Wimbledon uh, week, to recap some of the early matches. Check out this episode and the rest of our podcasts on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcasts. For Dan Michael Gamble, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.